Welcome to another podcast on the Autodesk AEC channel, hosted by Angela Samoz. What you're about to hear is a phone interview hosted by Angela Samoz of Autodesk with Brian Young, Sustainable Infrastructure Product Manager for Autodesk, on the topic of how green spaces can be good politics today, thanks to new tools to measure tangible ROI for proposed green infrastructure. I'd like to talk to you today a little bit about green stormwater infrastructure and how green space is becoming more and more popular within urban settings and just how green space is good politics in general. Certainly. Thanks for the question. So I thought we might frame this question by first defining what exactly is green space. And so at its broadest sense, it's any open or undeveloped area, piece of land that doesn't have development like roads or buildings. And so when you consider that in the context of good politics, green space might not make much sense for a city to leave a piece of land untouched because they could instead use that land for higher productivity purposes, such as converting it to a road to increase mobility, to collect tolls, or they can convert that into an industrial facility or a commercial building where they can increase jobs and increase economic output. So to respond to how green space is good politics, We've had a lot of academic studies about ecosystem services. We've had a lot of public and private organizations look into that as well to reveal really the many benefits of green space that aren't reflected in the balance sheet of a city. So benefits such as livability, recreational space, how it increases a community's quality of life. Studies also show that green space boosts property values. It improves biodiversity. It can act as a carbon sink. But the, one I, the benefit that I wanted to highlight most notably is how it impacts a community's water. And what I mean by that is when you add green space in an urban setting, the water that falls from a rain event gets absorbed into the ground as opposed to get draining down into a local sewer where it collects a lot of pollutants from your roads, from your lawns, and transports that into your local river or lake causing numerous water quality issues. So green space absorbs that water, filters that water, and actually replenishes the groundwater to restore a more natural water balance within your community. So between all these benefits, both on the social and the environmental side, we're seeing a number of cities and countries push for more green infrastructure. And we can see that from New York City to Philadelphia, from the European Union to China, all see green infrastructure as a big part of their strategy to improve their urban setting. There is a big question that remains, though, regarding green infrastructure and green space, is that compared to a road where you can collect those revenues from tolls or a building where you can collect tax, when we're talking about green space and green infrastructure, there's no money to be collected. We've been talking about those benefits in a qualitative sense. And so the question remains is how cities can realize a lot of these benefits like biodiversity and make that case as they invest their money into green space. So there's been a lot of research, as I mentioned, about social and environmental benefits of green space and of nature. And there are new tools, such as AutoCase by Impact Infrastructure, that takes a lot of that economic research and assigns dollar values to benefits like biodiversity, like a ton of carbon reduced. And so with the growing amount of research and with the tools to be able to quantify some of these benefits, We're progressing from just talking about benefits at a town hall, just in the ether, to really seeing 
in terms of dollars, what kind of benefits you're accruing from investing green infrastructure and investing in parks and green space. And from there, you can really begin to have discussions about how can we formulate policy that realizes some of these dollar values and how can we begin to talk to other departments, other investors to split the investment so that everyone realizes their fair share of return on that particular project. And so cities have acted on their own accord to realize some of these benefits. So if we take a look at Philadelphia and what they're doing around water quality, they've changed their fee structure for stormwater for property owners by making that proportional to the amount of pavement they have on their site. So as they reduce the pavement on their site, they reduce their stormwater bill. So there's a very direct financial incentive for improving the water quality by improving and increasing the amount of green space. In the District of Columbia, they've installed a stormwater retention credit trading market where a property owner who goes above and beyond compliance to really retain and absorb a lot of water with green space can sell credits to other property owners who are struggling to convert their land to green space and collecting and harvesting runoff. And so between cities that have begun to think creatively about policy and between the tools that are assigning and looking at ways to quantify some of these benefits, we have the tools to really step away from a qualitative discussion to more of a quantitative one that will benefit cities and help them realize the benefits of green space. So that, I think, becomes even more important as more and more people are moving to urban areas and and have concerns about quality of life, right? Even though they want to live in an urban area, they don't necessarily want to be surrounded by pavement. So I think being able to see those direct benefits, even from a financial standpoint, not just quality of life, that's really important. Have you gotten any feedback from, or what is it, what are cities like Philadelphia and D.C.? What are they seeing in terms of resident feedback and resident, or have they seen an increase in residents as a result of some of the programs that they are implementing? So that's exactly right. I have not met anyone who would not appreciate a park or a natural setting within walking distance from their home. Right. Uh, so cities like Philadelphia recognize and realize that and are making the investment to install parks in as many places as possible. But when we have the ability to quantify and understand all the other associated benefits around greenhouse gas mitigation, around water quality, that just makes the business case all the more compelling. And what's the, I guess, turnaround time or implementation time to do something like this? You know, if the city decides, okay, we're going to start implementing some green infrastructure, whether that's a green roof or more green space within the city, are there certain steps where people, where, where cities can start or let's say they wanted to, to implement some green stormwater infrastructure practices, where should they look to begin and how long would something like that take? Um, and one of the reasons I'm asking is because, of course, politicians want to do something within their term, right? So is it something that they could start and finish within their term so then they have something to show? for for their their term, or um, is it a longer investment? Some of the plans we see uh, today, whether it's New York City or Philadelphia, have long-term plans. We're talking on the order of 10, 20 years, and on the mm-hmm. order of $1 to $2 billion for a plan to really increase the amount of green infrastructure and green space 
in their city. And that's because it's a combination of how much budget can they allocate to projects that they own, the city owns, and they're also depending on the private sector to increase green space as redevelopment happens within the city as well. But with tools to be able to design and analyze green infrastructure and green space more effectively, as well as to quantify some of the benefits, we can certainly see the turnaround for a lot of these green infrastructure projects to shrink and make that timeline, just make that turnaround time uh, much quicker. Well, that's good. That's important. So I think it's a, it's a, it doesn't become such an unattainable problem, right? It becomes something that cities can absolutely implement versus looking at it as a problem that's so huge that they and so expensive that they can't do anything. It makes it much more attainable, it sounds like. Right. And so the context of how a lot of cities are adding green infrastructure is that they're looking for a new way to manage that water quality problem. And so when I say they're considering techniques like green roofs and bioretention, these are new techniques compared to the old way of managing stormwater, which is installing massive pipes underground. Mm-hmm. So think Spider-Man, the tunnels underground, massive pieces of infrastructure that cost billions of dollars. So we're moving from large centralized infrastructure approaches towards more distributed, you know, in any part of your parcel or any part of your property where you can fit a rain garden or you can fit a green roof, do so. So it's a much more distributed, much more flexible approach because you add features, you add these techniques as you redevelop, and that redevelopment timeline on the private sector and in terms of public land can happen much faster than installing a larger tunnel underground much of the city. Well, this sounds like kind of a no-brainer, Brian. I mean, if I was moving into a city, I think an apartment building that had a rain garden on the roof would be much more attractive to me than, uh, uh, you know, just a, a large cement structure. So it sounds like more and more cities are seeing the value of green infrastructure and starting to implement that, which is great to see. So hopefully it's a trend that will only continue. Yeah, I agree. And the aesthetics is one of the hardest to quantify, but it's hard to deny that it certainly does make a place more appealing when it does have these more natural features. Absolutely. Well, so if the city wanted to learn more about how to get started with something like this, where should they go? So we do have planning tools and design tools for specifically for green infrastructure that really help the engineering community, help cities figure out the best approach, the best strategies for what combination of green infrastructure they might want to apply at the site or at the district level. We also have tools with our partner at Impact Infrastructure that serve to quantify uh, the benefits of the various approaches you consider. So you can look at sustainability.autodesk.com for more information on that. Thanks again, Brian, for your time. I think this is a great topic, and we'll be talking about it a lot more in the future, I think. So thanks again for your time. Thank you. For more about the AutoCase triple bottom line analysis tool Brian mentioned, visit www.autocase.com. That's A-U-T-O-C-A-S-E.com. And for more about Autodesk Sustainable Design Solutions for Building and Infrastructure, visit sustainability.autodesk.com. Stay tuned for more podcasts here on the Autodesk AEC channel.